0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. You know, we, we are in this, particularly us as a PM congregation, we are chomping at the bit to go, come on, what's, what's God's vision for this place? What are we doing? Where are we going? That's where we're going. Because these sorts of things are never going to change. As we move into the future of our church, we are catching a glimpse of what it means to be Northside Community Church. We're catching a glimpse of God's future. Are you guys seeing this? Lock it in. Burn it in behind your eyes because this is what church is about. And we are in such an amazing season at the moment. We've been in a bridge season. That's what this series is all about. And uh, I love bridges. I said I love bridges because they're stable places in the in-between. There are places that, uh, you can reflect on where it is that you've, you've come from. There are places where you can reflect, as we saw last week, on where you're headed, that your view of the future is, is good and is positive. And so we've been in this bridge season. We're looking through how not only we transition as a church, but how you transition as an individual as well. And so tonight we get to uh, the final message of this series. We're going to read from Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. So uh, turn there in your Bibles whilst I find it as well. says here in verse 10 of Joshua chapter one. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land your Lord, your God, is giving you for your own. Joshua says, get ready. Get ready. There has to come a point when you're in transition where you are ready to step off the bridge. And that's where we recognise that some people, this is not a forced thing over four weeks, some people might still be mourning the loss of this old season that we're going through and that is okay. That is okay, but we recognise that there was times when your tears must end, when, when you must move forward, when you must have a view of the future and there comes a time where you've got to get ready to move. And that's where we are that's where we are, church. Over these coming months, we're, we're going to have to start getting ready to move into the future that God has for us. Now, when Joshua calls the people of God here in chapter 1 to get ready, he's saying things like pack up your tents, get your supplies ready, get your armour, get your, uh, your weapons ready, because the context of it is the Israelites are about to move into the promised land, but they're literally about to move into battle. Now, the challenge for us is, well, what approach do we take with this passage tonight? Because there's one or two different ways you could go. We could, we could preach it metaphorically or we could preach it theologically. Metaphorically means oh, getting ready is point one, you pack your tent. And point two is you get the weapons and the weapons mean this. And that could be the metaphorical approach. And we've almost just preached a message on it right then, metaphorically. But... But theologically, what's fascinating with this, I was thinking, how the heck does this apply to our context today? And more importantly, if you're trying to pick up on where we're at, we're at the thin end of the start of the Bible. So we're at the beginning of the Bible. So the people of God back then didn't, they didn't have the revelation. They hadn't seen God work the way that we have seen God work in the world. So the reality is they're going into the promised land for their rest and for their victory and to inherit what God has given them. Whereas we as New Testament Christians, we're already in the promised land that Joshua's getting ready to get them into battle to go and try and get a victory, we as New Testament Christians have already got the victory. And when you think about this theologically as New Testament Christians, you see that the passage that parallels the best for us is actually Ephesians Ephesians chapter four, right? I'll read it for you just in case you're wondering what the heck I'm talking about. Ephesians chapter four. Paul's talking about Jesus, the way that he's come to distribute gifts. You might see where I'm going with this in a second, about to distribute gifts to all the people of God. And he says here in verse 11 of of Ephesians chapter four, it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers in order to, here it is, to prepare the God's people for works of service. And so here you have the ultimate Joshua and Jesus Christ coming back. Now, the, the, the imagery Paul is using here is he's, he's bestowing gifts. He's coming back like a victorious army captain or emperor, bestowing his gifts in order to what? Prepare his people for works of service. So here's what I got out of this. When I went through and reading through the Bible, and obviously we're starting to think about vision and what all this means at the moment, so often I saw in the Bible that service precedes the vision. Getting ready means to serve. (laughs) Getting ready means to serve. Service precede the vision. You think about the way that uh, Jesus got all these disciples together. Luke 24, the hole's in the hand. Thomas is in disbelief. They're sitting here. What does Jesus say to the disciples? He says to them, you guys stay here in the city. Do life together until I clothe you with power from on high. And then they move into Jesus' vision for what he's talking about. And we, we, we see whenever uh, the people of God move out into a vision, there's a gathering first. And then they move out into their vision. So getting ready means to serve. That's where we're going tonight. So as I finish off the service, we've, we've had a big service. Let's just look simply. Uh, why, why should we serve? What is service? How do we serve? Let's have a look uh, at how all this fits in. Why do we serve? I remember going up the escalators. There was about four different sets of them, four sets of escalators in this church. And I get up to the top of the escalators and I go to the kids area at the top of this church in Louisville, Kentucky. And it says there with this little sign with a bit of printed paper so they could update it each week. It says, we are currently praying for 147 new kids leaders. 147—that that, more than we got in the auditorium tonight. We want 147 new kids leaders, and that made uh, my heart sink as a pastor because I thought, "Flippin' heck!" Like, if, if we continue to grow as a church, here's what I realized: <laughs> we will never stop calling people into service for God. <laughs> they're calling 147. <laughs> We will, and here's why, because we heard it tonight, God's vision for this place is always greater than the resources that we've got on hand, right? Now, let me just explain that to you because we've, we've heard Mikey say it, I always used to say it during announcements. Here, let me expand on that a bit because we never expanded on what that means. There's a great verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul again, talking about these gifts again, says there are different kinds of gifts. Of the same Spirit, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all people. And so, what it means practically for you is that all of you have been given gifts and talents for the service of the common good. In other words, all of you are ministers. I'm, I'm not the only minister here. Mikey, Sarah, Kristen, we're not the minister, we're all the ministers of the church. Now, more importantly, here's why God's vision for this place is is always bigger than the resources we've got at hand. And that is because there is a U-shaped piece in Northside's future vision. Are you guys getting that tonight? It's no point the ministry team talking about what the vision for this church is. It's about you and I collectively realising that there is a U-shaped piece somewhere in all of this. God has so designed the church that there is, there is a U-shaped hole there that only you can step into and only you can fulfill so we communally fulfill the vision of God. And what is special and wonderful about that is, you know what, there is, if you guys, some of you guys have been there, there is nothing more wonderful and special than seeing God work and do something special and incredible in someone's life because of you. I mean, think about Matteo this morning. Someone had to meet Matteo for a coffee. Someone had to welcome Matteo at the front door. Someone had to serve Matteo a coffee. He was Italian after, all (laughs) right? How else are we going to win the Italians? Serve him good coffee. (sighs) Someone had to invite him into his connection group. There had to be a connection group for him to go into. Someone had to turn the lights on. (laughs) Every one of us that calls ourselves a member of the Northside family has a place to play in our future vision. More importantly, look at the empty seats around you. The reason God's vision for this place is always greater than the resources we have at hand is because whoever's going to sit there one day and whoever's going to sit there one day, they're part of our future vision for the church. That is why we serve church. That is why we serve because there's nothing more special than seeing people come into this place, finding the wonder and the beauty and the, the, the majesty of God and serving That's why we do it. Now, let's have a look at what is service. What is service? Um, Let me put it this way. My best mate, Damo, who, by the way, don't be a preacher and think of an illustration when you don't realise that your friend's going to turn up. He was here this morning. He lives in San Francisco, and he just decided to surprise me. (laughs) Luckily, this is a decent illustration. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. It wasn't so decent on Friday night when I used him as well for our youth group. And and he said, he comes to me this morning, side note, and he says, how the heck do all of your youth group know who I am? (laughs) Anyway, um, this was so profound. We're chatting away because he lives in San Francisco. He comes out every now and then. He, He works around the corner, his family company. And he said, Sam, I finally get it. We're chatting. He says, I finally get it. I understand the difference between my job and your job. He says, in my job, I have 300 people reporting to me. He said, in your job, you report to 300 people. (laughs) Isn't that a profound reflection on what the Christian life is about? You see, what is service? Service is putting the needs and the interests of the community and of other people ahead of your own. The reality is that your job and and my job, because we're all ministers here, it's not just me, your job is to serve 300 other people. And, and so that is so countercultural for us, right? Because we live in such an individualistic society, right? I'll give you a case study in terms of how this works. Think about this. Imagine the difference between the recruiting slogans of the Australian army in 1945 versus 2005. You know, think about what the recruiting slogan back in 45 was for the army. It probably goes something like this, right? Your country needs you. Yeah, or, or come serve for the empire. There'll be a big, flag, a big British flag, not an Australian flag. Come serve the empire. Your country needs you, right? Now, what's, what's the slogan for army recruiting these days? Have we got anyone from the army in here? Okay, anyone know what it is? Here it is challenge yourself. <laughs> oh, even better, even better. Army recruiting. A year of adventure. Now, doesn't that typify how society has changed in that time? Because back in 1945, 1945 got it right, 1945 said, look, if you understand who you are and the place you have as a citizen in this country and what the heck is going on here in a war, it's not about your preferences. It is your duty to serve. These days, challenge yourself. (laughs) We are so individualistic, aren't we? Now, look, is it possible that, that that then... Rubs off on you and I during the week and then leaks into the church? Is it possible? Of course it's possible. That's where I'm going with it. Of course it's possible. That's what we're up against. And that's why it's countercultural to what, what's said in, in Mark when Jesus himself said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. And that's what Paul is rallying against when he says here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, he says uh, that, that he has come to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, that's what Paul, Paul's using body language here, literally body language, because that, that word prepare means to perfect. It, it, the Greek actually means, here's what it means. It could make you feel a bit queasy. It means to pull an arm out of its socket and then place it back into its joint. <laughs> it means to relocate it from a dislocation. Now, I am not good with this stuff. I faint even when I talk about this sort of stuff. But if 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 my arm is dislocated, it, it's painful, right? I don't want it to be like that. The best thing that you could do for me is, is grab me by the arm and yank the thing out of the socket and put it back in again. So this is what service is, says Paul. Service is to pull the arm out of the socket and relocate it back and put it into alignment the way that it was meant to be. Here's what it means for you. What it means for you is tonight is that you can come in and you can be doing church with us. But if you are not in service for God and you call yourself a member of the family, you are dislocated. It means that it's actually not, it's not how God designed you to be. And so part of calling you to serve and saying what is service is you were to be relocated. You see, a dislocated arm, it's close to the body, isn't it? It's so close, it's still attached. You might be here every week. You might be part of all the services. You might be part of a connection group. But if you're not in service, you're dislocated. Paul's saying that the aim of this service stuff is, is to get you and to put you back in that's what service is putting the needs of others ahead of yourself and so how do you get relocated how do you get put back in the socket how how do you serve where do i serve you might be asking tonight look the bible really doesn't talk much about gift discovery i mean the ephesians they didn't have some online you know those online surveys that everyone does you're probably thinking sam give me an online survey let's do let's do a survey but they never had. It. They didn't have some cloud-based thing back there in the Ephesians church. Here's here's how they worked out what their spiritual gifts were. They served. <laughs> they just served, and they worked out what it was. Let me give you a little bit of a, a diagram. How do you serve? You find the intersection. You've probably heard me say it of affinity, ability, and opportunity. You've got to find the sweet spot of affinity, ability, and opportunity. That's what we're always aiming for. Uh, affinity. I put it this way. It's, it's what moves you. What gets you out of bed of a morning without an alarm clock? Affin- affinity is, uh, ability is, what is it that you do better than eight out of 10 other people? Uh, what, what are you generally good at that no one else is at? So it, could you have the miracle where what you're good at is what gets you out of bed of morning, if you can get those two, and you can apply this to non-church stuff, by the way, you can apply this to your work. But, but if those intersect, you're doing really well. And the last one is, is there an opportunity to do it? Is there, is there a, a calling? Is there a space? Is there a time in which you can step into that? Now, let me give you a practical example. You're probably asking for one of those at the moment. I found this guy on the net. Listen to his story. His name is Chuck Lamb. <laughs> I'm dead serious. His name is Chuck Lamb. Chuck. Oh, only in America. Um, aged 47. Otherwise known as the dead body guy. Probably has the world's strangest hobby, he likes to play dead. <laughs> and if that's not enough, he takes it one step further. He takes photos and videos of himself playing dead and posts them on his website starting in 2005. These bizarre antics have attracted 32 million hits to his website in its first year, <laughs> and several news, print, TV, and radio appearances. What's his motivation? In his website he said he'd always dreamed of being in a movie or on TV and it seems pretty bizarre hobby for someone who's a married man with six kids. (laughs) But he himself admitted that he has no acting experience and he's not good looking. So in other words, he'd never make it as an actor so he figured he'd be the dead body guy. (laughs) Oh, isn't that the world's perfect example of affinity, ability and opportunity? (laughs) Now, if playing dead people gets you out of bed of a morning, go for it. (laughs) Because here's the point I want to make. God does not want your service to him to be boring. If there is some way that Chuck Lamb can win the world through being a dead body guy, I don't know, reenacting resurrection, who knows what it could be. But God bless him. (laughs) Affinity, ability, opportunity, a more serious one, quickly. What about William Wilberforce? Talk about ability. The guy was one of the most talented and youngest British parliamentarians to ever be in that big hall there. Uh, Talk about affinity. Uh, Talk about getting out of bed with an alarm clock. Something snapped in him and something got him out of bed with an alarm clock for 20 years straight and he said, slavery must end. And it took him 20 years to get to that opportunity piece where he would stand up and deliver that speech in the middle of parliament and slavery would be crushed out forever throughout the British Empire and throughout the United States. Affinity, ability, opportunity. So what it means is we don't need to go through gift surveys You just keep trying to find your sweet spot and God will use it because you become part of a bigger picture when you find that sweet spot. We've seen that here at Northside. We've seen it in the Madagascar team that's going across there. We see it in our youth team. We see it in our new life ministries team with divorce care and grief share and the the lives that have been touched with with those courses. We see it in our worship services. We see it in the people that faithfully prepare communion for us. We see it in the people that are filling up baptistries. We see so much wonderful stuff happening through service and you just start. You just start. John Eldridge says this, if you're still stuck. He says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you alive and go and do it. Because what the world needs is people who've become fully alive. Just start with what you're passionate with. And God will use that. So, as we finish tonight, where do I get started? How do I get started? Why will I get started? It's like my approach to the gym. We're about to—we're not. How far off summer are we now, fitbods? Well, we're talking like twelve weeks or something like that. Anyone else starting to think end of winter? I really should be getting the beach body happening. Yeah, all right, that's how it goes. And then you go to go to the gym on a weekend like this weekend, and you don't feel like it, and you just want to eat some more biscuits or buy some more stuff from the bake sale that'll be happening. <laughs> The service is like going to the gym. I, I do not want to do it. But I know that uh, the, um, the, the input is as important as the output. you just got to get in to do it. The very thing you don't feel like doing, you get in and doing it. Service is exactly the same. And I guess you just start by doing it. And some of you are thinking tonight, look, is this whole thing just a stitch-up to get us to serve? <laughs> just a stitch-up to get us to serve? Maybe it is. <laughs> Uh, Seriously, let, let me put it this way. You think when Jesus was hanging there on the cross, he did it to get you signed up on a roster? There's a bigger picture here, church. There's a bigger picture here, church. Jesus called his boys to come in and serve before the vision because he recognized that if we could be a community of wonder and of grace and of beauty, that is showing the world how life is meant to be lived that's showing the world how you're supposed to love and how you're supposed to handle sex and how you're supposed to handle money and how you're supposed to handle power. And if we can serve each other and be so countercultural from everyone else, and maybe some Italian guy that comes in has never really done the church thing could come in and go, this is a beautiful looking community and maybe this God thing is real. And maybe I, this feeling really is real and maybe maybe it's about time that i serve jesus christ is it really about rosters no there's a much bigger picture here our service to god will precede the vision we look we may not have a sign up here tonight that says we need 147 more kids leaders but we do need seven We don't have a sign here saying we need 150 more connection group leaders. We need about 12 to 15 before we hit December. There are people here that I'm struggling to put into groups because we don't have enough homes to open up to them. We might not not have a sign that says we need 138 more welcomers, but we do need about another 10 in case someone who wants to check out this funny box called church walks in and wants to see a warm smile and open arms. There there is a U-shaped peace in the future of our church if you want to be a part of this that's God's promise to you tonight God's vision for this place is always greater than the resources that we have on hand not because we don't know how to manage them but because how you will come fully alive tonight Christian and over the coming weeks is when you just step up and make the decision to serve if you're not a Christian tonight we are so glad that you are here Mateo had a whole bunch of his friends here this morning, saying, "You've got to check this place out. (laughs) If you're not a Christian tonight, if if you want to be part of something that is bigger than your own self-interest, seriously, have a think about it. It's not a fun way to live. If you want purpose and meaning and significance, God has a U-shaped piece as well. You step through into that through your faith in Jesus Christ. (sighs) We're getting ready. We're getting ready." Vision's going to start flowing soon. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen. (laughs) Pantene Provi. It'll be coming months, church. Be patient with us. Don't be patient with the team. Let's be a discerning church that is seeking God's wisdom and guidance. We're not going to run into this. I'm not going to give you a big vision message next week. It's going to take time. What is six months in 16 years worth of ministry? Will all of us be discerning what God's future is? But the first thing you need to discern is, am I going to play a part in it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful place that is your church. We thank you for uh, the baptism that we've seen in this morning. We're thanking you for the life and the dynamism and everything that is happening in this place. We thank you that people are walking into these doors and they're checking out Christianity for the first time and it's not as bad as they ever thought or what their friends would say. Father, we are praying into the spirit that is amongst our friends and our families and our workplaces at the moment. Father, we are seeing as Christians in the world that there is a deep yearning for something more. There is a deep yearning for something bigger than our everyday lives and the everyday grind. Father, we want to be the people that speak into that. Father, we want to be people that are witnesses in these places as we walk out of here this week. That show people there is a resilience and there is a joy and there is a counterculturalness about us because we may not be the sort of people that trample over the workmate or forget the family member, or forget the friends. Because we're people that are here to serve others. Not because Sam said so, not because the Bible told us to do it, because you, Lord Jesus, you got in your son, Lord Jesus. You, just, you had the guts to swallow your own medicine. We are so thankful that you're a God who never calls us to do anything that you weren't gutsy enough to do yourself. So we love you, Jesus. We thank you for the model that you are to us. And we are praying that as we get ready for this new season in our church, as we get ready to simply go and serve a people on the other side of the world, as we see buildings start to go up, that we recognize that that is a tangible representation of what we see happening in this place. As we seek to put the needs, not of ourselves, but of everyone else ahead of each other, and we're going to create a place that people find beautiful and wonderful and mysterious that place called the church of jesus christ so it's yours um help us do that this week convict us holy spirit if you need to speak to us tonight lord give us the hearts and the ears that he opened to listen from you in this time of ministry we pray this now in your mighty name amen